Welcome to Divorce Explained, the podcast where we answer your questions and navigate the process of divorce together. Sharing real stories and personal experiences, this is your guide through it all. With your hosts, family law specialist Steve Benmore and divorce lawyer and strategist Leanne Townsend. Okay, step parenting. First of all, what is step parenting and what does it mean for people that are either entering relationships or exiting exiting relationships. Uh, all of these have very specific ramifications for the biological parents, for the step parents, and obviously for the children. So we might cover the subject of step parenting in installments because it's a mammoth topic, but let's just start by talking more about the sociology. The reality is this, people marry people or enter into relationships with people after they've had children with other people or had children without other people, but on their own. And I've got clients and quite frankly, friends who um, are single parents. Um, There are same sex couples uh, who break up and they had a child with a, a surrogate Um, I've got uh, clients who are mothers who um, used a a donor sperm in order to get pregnant and give birth to a child, and they're the only parent. Um, So we live in a world where, fortunately, there are lots of ways to be a parent, not just biological, but when one is a non-biological parent, um, and by the way, that's a whole other conversation as to what involves someone being non-biological. But for today's discussion, we're really only talking about the parenting of a child that you had nothing in either uh, creating by way of biological ingredients, um, but you simply have come into a relationship where uh, you are now with or are leaving a relationship with someone who had a child before you entered into that relationship. So for today's purposes, when we are referring to step parenthood, we are referring to the person who uh, entered a relationship with another person who had a child before that relationship started. Um, Or to use a perfectly simple example, Jack and Diane are now dating. They might start living together. They might get married, but Diane, had a child with the previous partner and Jack and Diane are dating and Diane has little, let's call him Eric. And so Jack's relationship with Eric may become a step-parent relationship. And should Jack and Diane split up, there could be rights that Diane has to seek remedies from Jack, and there might be remedies that Jack has to seek from Diane vis-a-vis Eric. Now, if that's not confusing enough, I will let Leanne clarify it even more. Okay. So um, because you were cutting out a little bit, I, I just want to clarify, is Eric the biological child of Jack or Diane? Diane. Diane. Okay. So yes, um, you know, when you are in a step parent relationship, uh, in some cases, some of the obligations uh, and rights that 
biological parents have can actually flow to you depending on certain circumstances. And so um, in family law, what we look at is um, that the term that's used is, are you in locus parentis uh, to the child? And essentially what that means is, are you in a role where you are acting like a parent to the child? Are you you know, going to teacher meetings uh, at the school? Are you taking the child to extracurricular activities? Are you making meals for the child? Are you helping the child with homework? Are you, you know, disciplining the child when required? So all the types of things that parents do. If you're a step parent um, and you're in that role and you're doing those sorts of things, um, then if uh, you were to split up with uh, the partner, and I, I, I apologize again because we're cutting out. I know Diane is Jack and Diane. Yeah, Jack, Jack and, and Diane, Diane and little Eric. <laughs> All right, so you know if, if Diane and Jack split up, then you know er, uh, Jack may be in a situation where he may be obligated to pay child support. Um, and that's something that Diane may want to seek from him. And also, Jack may be in a position where he has certain parenting rights as well. Like, you know, just because he and Diane are splitting up, maybe he still wants to have parenting time with Eric. Maybe he wants to have a parenting schedule and be able to, you know, spend quality time with Eric. Maybe he views him like a son of his own or, you know, he certainly has that relationship. And so Jack would have certain rights that way as well that Diane would have to respect. So it can be complicated, um, you know, and a lot of people think that if it's not, if someone's child is not your biological child, that you don't have these sorts of rights and obligations, but in some cases you do. Absolutely. And so um, again, the information that Leanne and I are sharing with our viewers is not coming to you by way of legal advice. Every case requires uh, individual analysis, consideration, and advice. Um, we are speaking at a high level, but on the subject of uh, people entering into relationships with others who have children, um, there's a big difference between the children being adults and, for example, uh, in university or living uh, on their own versus minor children who are experiencing the step-parents love, affection, and financial responsibility. Um, you can take financial responsibility for an adult child of your new partner uh, without incurring um, future financial obligations in case of a breakup. But to take on financial obligations for minor children could result in a step-parent having a financial liability should the couple break up. And so some people will obviously ask the typical question, which is, well, hold on, what about the other parent, the biological parent? So in Jack's case, Jack might say, why would I have to pay child support to Diane? Because Eric's real father is paying Diane child support. It's a good, good argument. And in fact, it's an argument that's made many times in the local parentis cases that are brought before the courts. Um, and in some cases, uh, the Jacks of the world are given the freedom of not having a financial responsibility. And in some cases, they have to top up. And in other cases, there's a sharing of financial responsibility. Um, but what I'm gonna say is I'm gonna go backwards a little bit because you know, uh, in the last few years, I've been doing a lot of cohabitation agreements and a lot of prenups, uh, marriage contracts 
as we call them in Canada. And uh, one other thing that keeps coming up is the subject of financial responsibility for the children that belong to the other person. And so uh, people have often asked, can I contract out of those financial responsibilities? And you know, the answer is maybe. And the reason I say maybe is because when it comes to a contract, a contract is also a statement of principles. So oftentimes people uh, do a contract, not because they wanted to sue on it in the future, but because they just want there to be very clear rules of engagement. And so they sign a contract that says, you know, we're coming together, I'm gonna to move into your condo, or you're gonna move into my condo, and you've got children moving into my condo, or I've got children moving into your condo, and, uh, and here's how we're gonna handle the finances. The condo is gonna be yours or mine, I'll pay all the bills, you'll pay all the bills, we'll split the bills, whatever the arrangement is. And somewhere in the body of this agreement, there's reference to the fact that Jack, uh, excuse me, that Jack has no children. Diane has a child and Eric has a father and Eric's father is paying Diane child support. And even though Jack and Diane are coming together and Eric is going to spend half his time living with Jack and Diane, um, should they break up, um, uh, Diane agrees that there will not be any ongoing child support obligation by, uh, by Jack. Now, in a case like that, Diane might change her mind in one or two or five or 10 years. Now, by way of example, if little Eric is a year and a half old and Jack and Diane break up when Eric is 15 years old, you know, nearly 13 years later, uh, Diane may take a run at a request to a judge for child support from Jack because of the fact that she has heavily relied on Jack's financial support, even though she had agreed in a contract. And the courts are not bound by contracts that waive child support. And so it's a factor that the court can consider, but depending on the financial arrangements between the two fathers in the Jack and Diane case, the court may very well agree with Jack and not not place upon him a financial responsibility, or the court might agree with Diane and say, it's not fair to Eric to not have Jack's support because without Jack's support, Eric will not be able to lead the same life he had for the last 13 years. So these cases are very tricky. And as I say, they require individualized attention and analysis, but um, step parenthood is on one hand, a lovely thing. It allows children to experience far more love than they had before. It allows a new family to form. It allows there to be the formation of a new family with tremendous opportunities for the spouses as well as the child or children. And in some cases, a stepchild then becomes siblings with a new biological child of the step-parent. And so in often cases, these are really great opportunities we as lawyers, sadly, don't get to celebrate the beauty of it because we are often consulted on how to seek a legal remedy or how to avoid a legal remedy. But I didn't want to lose sight of the beauty of step parenthood and the tremendous opportunities that it offers children and spouses to, to find or to refine the love they didn't have after the ending of an earlier relationship.
Definitely. Leanne, did you hear that? I'm I, not I sure did. Cutting it around. I did. Okay. Yes. No. And I mean, I think you know, step families can be a wonderful opportunity for for the children to you know have twice as much love. Um, and you know, I think when if if you're out there and you're in a situation where you're a blended family, um, you know, I think it's important to approach it that way. How can we make this you know so positive that our child is getting you know double the love and double the the strong you know parental figures in their in their life or you know friend or how, whatever sort of role that step parent is is going to play um and you know with the high divorce rate that we experience the reality is there are a lot of step families there's a lot of blended families out there it's you know much 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 more common than it used to be um and you know, I, going back to the issue you were mentioned about um, you know, marriage contracts and um, opting out of, um, you know, some of the rights and obligations you may have as a step parent by using a marriage contract. I think it's really interesting because when um, people draft marriage contracts and they don't have children, um, you know, one of the things that we don't put in a marriage contract because it's not going to be enforced is you can't opt out of you know, child support obligations um, for your biological child. So, you know, if somebody came to me and they said they, you know, wanted to do that, um, I would not draft a contract that, that has a clause like that because it, it wouldn't be upheld. It's not going to be enforceable. Um, but yet, you know, I do have people come and see me who want to have these clauses with respect to their stepchildren and they want to make it clear that they're not going to be in locus parentis and so they're not going to have a child support obligation and um, I think it's interesting that as you know there's more more as more as there become more and more blended families and more and more step families you know whether it may become the case that you can't opt out of that either in a in a marriage contract and maybe we'll see less people trying to do that um, and maybe the law will you know become more clear that um, they they can't do it that again it's you know because child support is always very much seen as the right of the child um, and so um, and what's in the child's best interest so you know, as Steve touched upon, if if there's a situation where, you know, perhaps the biological parent has biological father, maybe in, in this example, Jack and Diane, you know, has a very low income and Jack has a very high income and Eric has gotten used to a very high standard of living, uh, living with Jack and Diane and they've been together a long time. Um, it, you know, it, 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 I think there's a very good argument that it's in Eric's best interest and, and it, you know, that he continue to have a lifestyle similar to what he's become accustomed to. And that may be a case where uh, child support might be something that um, Jack is responsible for, uh, even if he tried to contract out of it in, in, a, in some sort of marriage contract. Um, you know, and that's the thing with law, it's it's always evolving. Um, you know, yes, we rely on precedence and, and how we, you know, when we go to court and we argue cases, uh, we base it on previous cases and what courts decided in previous cases. But it does evolve and it does change as the times change and society changes and the norms change, law does evolve. So it's quite possible that, you know, stepchildren uh, could end up having very similar rights to the biological children in the future. And, uh, you know, 
I, I don't know if it's uh, considered a blessing or a disadvantage, but you know, a lot of the events involved in families recoupling, uh, people who are divorced, finding new love and moving on, these are wonderful things. Um, but the, the side effect of breaking up with somebody that had a child from an earlier relationship does create certain unknowns and many of these unknowns cannot be planned and remedied in advance through contracts. And by way of example, um, you know, when people come together, they don't know when they're going to end the relationship. They don't know if it's going to end in three months or in 30 years or never. And they don't know if it's going to end by a voluntary breakup or by the death of one of them. And each one of these circumstances uh, create a different outcome for the couple vis-a-vis step-parenthood, both on the right to a relationship with a stepchild, as well as the obligation to support the stepchild. And then on top of all of that, you've got so many cases where people actually came together, one of them had a child or more, and then they had children together. And so from the perspective of the children, they're just siblings. They don't call each other, this is my stepbrother or this is my stepsister. They're just siblings. And when they go to school or when they go uh, in public or when they go to events, they are just referred as Jack and Diane's kids. And maybe people will know that Diane had, a, had the first child from an earlier relationship. I mean, maybe close family and friends will. But in the eyes of the world, generally speaking, these children belong to Jack and Diane. And when Eric is with his dad, and, and Eric's dad may very well be with somebody else, and they may very well have children together. But at the end of the day, Eric's just got a whole bunch of parents, and he's with his mom and Jack on certain days, and he's with his dad, either who was on his own or with another person on other days. Um, and so the court, and the judges generally look at these cases through the lens of the child, not through the lens of Jack and Diane. So if the child looks at Jack as though it's his father, a stepfather or otherwise just the word father, then that father may very well have the right to an ongoing relationship with Eric and the obligation to support Eric when Eric is with Diane. And here's where it gets a little trickier is if Jack and Diane have two more children together and then and Jack and Diane break up and the kids are with Jack half the time and with Diane half the time, how is Eric's time divided? So now Eric's got time with his biological father. Eric's got time with his mom, but Jack has the two younger kids with him every other weekend and a couple of days during the week. What about Eric? Should Eric not just go along with his siblings who he's lived with for many years? And these cases get really tricky. And when Jack has to pay Diane support, or if Jack has to pay Diane support, depending on whose income is, you know, who's got the higher income and 
what the arrangements are with respect to parenting. Would the support be for two kids or for three kids? And, and then layer on top of that, Eric's father's obligations to Jack or Diane. Um, and let's hope they don't break up as well because things can get even uglier there. So these are you know, really interesting and also complicated cases that require significant thought and planning um, should these couples break up, um, we, we need to help the Jacks, the Dianes, and the Erics of the world. And, um, and I don't think, you know, it's funny, people ask me, should I even go into this relationship? Well, if you love Jack or if you love Diane, the answer is obvious. And there's a lot of people that enter into these relationships because of the fact that the other person has a child. And, and, and they waited longer in life to get married and they want to be with somebody that already has a child. So they have a family that's already structured right from the very beginning, which is a lovely thing. Yeah. No, and there's lots of parents out there, step parents who, um, you know, really take on that role so well. And I, you know, and I know of, um, you know, people out there who um, were in a step parent role with someone and the relationship didn't end up working out with the, the, the partner, but they still st stayed in that child's life and they still paid child support and they didn't fight it and they didn't, they just made it about what's best for the child and they treated that child like their own and that child went, you know, with the other biological children on parenting time. And, you know, I really commend people out there who, who are able to do that and who are really able to just put what is best for the child first rather than, okay, like, I don't want to pay child support here. How can I get out of doing this? Um, you know, because they're, you know, we, as lawyers, we often just hear about the ones who, who don't want to pay or who want to get out of the obligations that they might have. But there are lots of people out there who really do step up and are, you know, really fantastic step parents and really make a difference in those children's lives. And I really commend those people because it's not easy, I'm sure. Absolutely. And, um, you know, we as lawyers, wherever possible, um, we try really to encourage good family relations, good family health, good family dynamics. And the good thing about people coming to us and asking us how they can avoid child support is it allows us to have a confidential one-on-one -on -one conversation to potentially influence people's thinking and ultimately doing the right thing. Because um, if they may have thought that it's, a, it's an unfair treatment of them that they have to support a child that isn't even their own, um, oftentimes, through discussion, analysis, and explanation, it actually might change the perspective of the person. And that's one of the important roles that we as lawyers have, is to not just uh, follow instructions like a commando in an army, but to actually advise and allow people to reconsider what, what values they hold dear. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you everyone for joining us this week. We'll be back again next week with another topic. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Divorce Explained. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to head on over to Instagram and follow at Steve Benmore and at Leanne Townsend Life for more. And if you're looking for specific divorce services, you can visit benmore.com and leannetownsend.ca. We hope today's episode made you feel informed and inspired as you move along through your divorce journey. 
Tune in next week for Divorce Explained.